pineapples aren't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if, if you pull up the first slide here, you'll, you'll see here, I actually have a note to myself, this is probably gonna be a hard transition from worship. <laughs> Pineapples aren't worth it. I, 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 when I was looking at my notes, I was like, there's really, no matter what's happening beforehand in terms of what's being shared, it's going to feel abrupt to jump into what I want to say. So this is not to, to completely change gears and, and ignore this, but this is a, a known fact that I was going to walk into this. So hear, hear me out. Just, just be before I lose you all, hear me out. Last time I, I was, uh, I mentioned... <laughs> The darkness of man, right? <laughs> so the, the last time I mentioned pineapples, I actually, uh, this was years ago, I talked about the fact that pineapples are the only fruit that eat you back. Oh, yeah. And, um, and y'all latched onto that, and I've been hearing about that for years. So I figured now I'm, I, I got to bring up some pineapples again. Here, here's the fun fact for pineapples. Do you know you can regrow your own pineapples? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, I'm looking for new hobbies, I think it's something I need to do. And I, I tried croissants. I showed my failure with croissants a few weeks ago. And, and so I was like, okay, I can grow a pineapple. That'll, that'll be something that I try. I looked into it because there was this time on our honeymoon in Fiji. We had a pineapple. It was the most amazing thing. They drove us to this field, cut the top off this pineapple. It was like the best pineapple I've ever had. So easy enough, you just root it with water. And I, I looked into this. It takes two to three years to grow pineapple. That's less enticing to me now. But the, the, the kicker is, this is a pineapple tree. You get a single pineapple from a pineapple. So you it again. Yeah, I, but it's a single pine. Two to three years for one pineapple. It's $2.75 for a pound of pineapple, or two to three years of your life. <laughs> All I'm saying is pineapples are maybe not worth it, okay? And this is gonna relate, I promise you. <laughs> Psalm 129. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth, let Israel say. They've greatly oppressed me from my youth, but they have not gained the victory over me. Plowmen have plowed my back and made their furrows long, but the Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be turned back in shame. May they be like grass on the roof which withers before it can grow. A reaper cannot fill his hands with it, nor one who gathers fill his arms. May those pa who pass by not say to them, the blessing of the Lord be on you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. I gotta tell you, whenever I read this psalm, it's a little bit hard to process, right? It starts off, you can kind of get it. We are talking about oppression, you know, and then there's a bunch of farming and, and plant metaphors, not quite pineapples, but it's kind of in the same range. And then there's like this weird blessing that's not meant to be a blessing. It, it's like a double negative or a curse or something. It, it's kind of hard to process. So here, here's another paraphrase that I think might help you. They've kicked me around ever since I was young. This is how Israel tells it. They kicked me around ever since I was young, but they never could keep me down. Their plowmen plowed long furrows up and down my back, but God wouldn't put up with it. He sticks with us. And God ripped the harness of the evil plowman to shreds. Oh, let all those who hate Zion grovel in humiliation. Let them be like grass and shallow ground that withers before the harvest, before the farmhands can gather it in, the harvesters get in the crop before the neighbors have a chance to call out, congratulations on your wonderful crop. We bless you in God's name. You know, with this psalm, we're in this series where we're talking about Lent. We're talking about turning away from things and turning towards other things. And this week, we're talking about turning to the road ahead of us. We're talking about perseverance, everybody's absolute favorite topic. The thing is, this is a protest song. 
This psalm really is a protest song. They have not gained victory over me. I love this song. We sang it last week, you know, glory to the king. It's funny. When we sing that, there's a slight copyright concern. The, the recording of it, if you listen to it, it's got that Bob Dylan bridge, which I absolutely love. Um, I shall be released. Uh, I see my light come, con- come shining from the west into the east. I shall be released. The song, when it was written, was about a man in prison, unjustly so. And he's calling out and looking forward to the day when he's going to be released because he was innocent. Some of us can relate to this. <laughs> he was innocent and calling out to be released. But if you look up the official chords, you know what it actually has in it? this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> Which is just a really funny kind of, it's an adjustment of it, and I feel like it, it still fits, but it's, it's not quite Bob Dylan. This is Richard Wormbrand. He was a Romanian pastor who was imprisoned in Russia for preaching the gospel. Um, he wrote the book, Tortured for Christ, where he recounts his time there. You know, I, I often feel like whenever you talk about Richard Wormbrand or other men like this, it's like grabbing a hammer trying to prove a point. You know, like, like these are the, the brutal truths of the world that we're looking at. You know, th- th- this, is, this is where the darkness of, of this world really comes into focus whenever we talk about examples like this. But here's the thing I, I want you to hear. The disciples of Christ, followers of Jesus, we are not delicate flowers, all right? I should say mature disciples of Christ are not delicate flowers. Counterexample, those who have a lot of growing to do, and this is not to shame anyone, here's, a, here's the, the next one. Stop giving me your toughest battles. You literally just have to ask the employee for an extra packet of ketchup. <laughs> okay, this, this, is, this is sometimes we, we crumble, right? And, and if this is where you're at, no shame. We have some growing to do, right? The, the, the juxtaposition of, of this meme, which Christians are sharing and laughing at today, and Richard Warmbrand, is meant to be shocking. Because it, it is a hard truth that, that we walk in, that, that we realize that we are not who we've yet been called to be. The, the, the Christian church is still leagues shy of who we're meant to be, of who this world needs us to be. We are, we are entrusted, as Cliff was saying, with, with the gospel of God. We, we are entrusted with the good news for Putin. If we don't speak this truth with power, if we don't live this so that the world can see it, nobody else will. <laughs> if you believe that the Holy Spirit is the hope of salvation for the world, then we must do our part. And that means we cannot crumble. That means we cannot fall back. That means we have to be bold with what we've been entrusted with. Here's the dandelion in, in concrete. And if you've seen this one, I'll, I'll read for you if you can't see it. It says, oh, what's wrong, little flower? I can't do this says, what are you talking about? You get watered regularly, fertilized at the proper times. You have optimal sunlight. And it says, and yet I am dying. It says, why can't you be more like dandelion? And it goes, a crack in the sidewalk. Woo! <laughs> if you've ever seen my yard, I can't keep things alive. But weeds flourish. They need nothing, and yet they have this life. The, the disciples of Christ are called to thrive regardless of circumstance. That if we can get a root into the gospel of God, it is enough to sustain our life regardless of imprisonment, regardless of, of what circumstances might surround us. You know, we, Cliff was sharing about, about Ukraine and Russia, and I, I was, I've been so touched by all the people praying for Ukraine, and that matters a great deal. Our church, if you see the slides going beforehand, it's a bit of juxtaposition. We have pray for Ukraine, and it says, 
and we're leading the Vineyard Russian Partnership. <laughs> they are at war with each other, and we love both. We don't choose sides in the kingdom of God. We welcome who the Lord has called us to be. We have a responsibility towards the people in Russia that if we don't speak up for, I fear nobody else will. Do we want them to, to be in suffering and silence? Do we want them to be ignorant of the truth of God? Or can we do something to promote the gospel which brings life, which brings peace, which brings love? Jesus was no delicate flower. Isaiah 53 he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground, like that dandelion. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. That's our Christ. Like a shoot out of dry ground. Do we understand? Like that is, that is a tough stuff. And we think often as Christians, I think we're, we're, we're delicate. Our faith is fragile. Don't talk about it in public. It, it, it might make people uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, this whole idea that, that we, we crumble when the pressure gets high. I think the church had an opportunity with COVID that largely we failed. Amen. And I, I, I'm not talking specifically about our church, though perhaps as well right? We are neighbors calling out out of fear and concern, and, and we're, we're having in squabbles and fights amongst ourselves, and, and we're worried about the politics and government and all these things. The world is worried and fearful. Where's the church? Where's the church? Are we being the light of life? Are we bringing the truth in peace and love and kindness? Are we standing for what we understand in a way that allows the world to see Christ as he is meant to be seen? Of course, Jesus isn't the only one. We always put Jesus up there, and I think sometimes it's hard because Jesus is Jesus, right? And we know we're not. But we can look at Paul. This is Paul in 2 Corinthians 11. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and I've go often gone without food been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who's led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? So maybe we're not the Messiah, but we've been entrusted with the gospel as Paul was. We're not called to be delicate flowers. We're called to be hardy. We're called to speak the truth and to persist in it. Jessica, 
has not seen a lot of the movies that I have. <laughs> but we've had to do some some little swapsies where where <laughs> where she's had to uh, she, we made some trades. And one of the trades, I forget what the trade was for, but we got her to watch Lord of the Rings, to which she fell asleep many, many times. <laughs> and her summary of it is so much walking. <laughs> In general, church, we don't dig deep wells. We don't persist on a path very far. We get distracted by many things. If we don't strike gold in the first few inches, well, I guess it's not there and we're going to go dig in another place. Many of us have not really taken to, to pace what prayer looks like. Many of us have not figured out the depths of worship and what it does for your soul. Many of us have not really gone into the depths of what scripture can mean for you. We dig a little, we find something, we move on. We must persevere because this world needs deeply rooted Christians to speak the truth in love, that don't crumble, that, that don't turn their backs whenever things get hard, that, that have an, an actual sustaining power, that when this world is at war, that whenever there's a pandemic, that we are that place that they can turn to, a refuge where they can see the Lord himself, and they can understand hope and glory and peace beyond their days. Because if not us, then who? James 1, 2 through 4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We often read this, groan inwardly, and move on. Admit it. <laughs> if you read it at all. Maybe the world, as it is now, can paint this a little bit better right? We need steadfastness. The world needs deep roots. And if they don't turn to us, they're going to turn to the whims of, of politics. They're going to turn to the whims of, of philosophers. They're going to turn to the whims of their own technology and their own understanding. And that all has limits. They can go so far with that, that, that will not have the roots to sustain them when the storms come. I want to point out in this psalm that we're using there's a, a deep humanity in it. The psalmist who, who penned this, this psalm that, that we are talking about for perseverance, he's not a perfect disciple yet. The, the psalms are a wonderful place for, to, to go to see real life working out the ways of God. Okay, it, it's, it's deeply human. These, these are not the Messiah figures coming in here with their perfect Christianity, with their perfectly polished righteousness and faithfulness, and, and they just present that to you. People in pain and exile calling out, saying, God, help. There's flashes of anger, fatigue. Maybe this, we're talking about these as traveling psalms. They're, they're going up the hills of the Lord. Maybe in this place they were getting hangry. I don't know if anybody here gets hangry. But that's maybe what we're seeing a little bit of here. May all who hate Zion be turned back in shame. Is that, is that a good prayer? <laughs> you know, Cliff was talking about praying for, for you know, people who are against Putin, praying for his destruction, working for his destruction. Is that what the Lord would want? Or as Cliff corrected us, instead, Lord, he's created in your image. Bring salvation. Jesus tells us to bless those who curse you, love your enemy. I believe that's why I began loving Russia and why my heart's breaking now and why this time is so hard. Eugene Peterson, in noticing that this problem in the psalm, wrote this. We will not excuse for the psalm's vindictiveness. What we will do 
is admire its energy. For it is apathetic, sluggish neutrality that is the death to perseverance, that acts like a virus in the bloodstream and enervates the muscles of discipleship. We need this. If, if we're pulled back, if we're just ignoring what our emotions are crying out to, that's a sign that we've kind of checked out. How many times do you see this news and it's overwhelming and you just think, it's not my problem. You know, where we struggle through something and it's hard and we think that somebody else will pick up the slack, right? I can, I can only do so much and we allow ourselves the, the luxury of saying it's not my problem. I, I'm, I'm struggling with the fact, church, that our specific church, the Vineyard Church of Holly Springs, has a responsibility to at least nine pastors through Russia. That if we are not supporting them, if we are not loving them, if we are not reaching out to them, there is nobody else to do that. How many people in your life are you the lifeline? How many people in your life are you that voice of the gospel? This isn't to make you feel guilty. This isn't to say you're not doing enough. This is to say, I hope your roots are deep enough that you are able to sustain no matter what the storms may be. Amen. Perseverance isn't resignation, putting up with things as they are. We don't quit when we realize we aren't mature and yet there's still a long road ahead. You know, if you're struggling to ask, ask for that packet of ketchup, then walk ahead. Let's mature as disciples. Let, let's not treat this as a joke. Let's actually understand what we're called to be, what this world needs us to be, and figure out how to get on this long road ahead where there's so much walking, as in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Next point, God is righteous, faithful, and persistent to you. We're talking about ourselves being righteous and, and ourselves being persistent and having perseverance. God himself is righteous, faithful, and persistent to you. The cornerstone of this psalm that we're reading here is often translated, God is righteous. But the Lord is righteous. He has cut me, fr uh, he has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. If you've been a, a churchgoer and if you've listened to a, a lot of sermons, we, we sometimes use these little shorthands to sublanguage out. Like righteous is one of those words, like it had a, a big, you know, appeal in like the 50s and 60s where people were righteous. It was like, you know, this, this really great slang. But generally in the church, righteousness is kind of fumbled around. We don't really get what that is. And so often pastors and others will, will give you a little shorthand. We say righteous is like right standing. You know, you want to be in right standing with the Lord. Now, that's problematic here because God's in right standing with himself, right? That, that it doesn't quite translate. So I, I think saying God is righteous sometimes causes us to struggle. So there's some other translations about this. The Lord always does what is right. A paraphrase that I, I read just went with it. God wouldn't put up with it, but he sticks with us. God being righteous means he couldn't tolerate to see the evil prospering. God couldn't stand to see it, and he had the power and will to do something about it. God is righteous, faithful, and persistent. Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now look at this. This is in Philippians. Philippians is, is an amazing book you kind of have the, this cool bookends of these two ideas in Philippians that starts off with God, and this is in, in, in chapters one, six, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We love that, right? We, that's a well-known verse. We put that up on walls, it's bumper stickers. It, it's a great one. Now, there's this wonderful bookend if you keep reading in Philippians, and this is in 3.13. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. As God was, so are we. He's faithful, so we're going to be faithful. You see the continuity there? God showed me we can do this. God is still with me. Therefore, because God's faithful, I'm going to be faithful. Because my roots go where he's directed me. Because I can pull from his strength. I can pull from his love. When I run out, I'm connected to the vine. Here we see the curse on the oppressor in this psalm. A call for justice is meant to be answered by God, by God's activity, by God's righteousness, by God's justice. There's, there's two things in this call against the oppressor that I want to highlight here. These, these shallow roots and disconnected equipment. Shallow roots are a hard one. Shallow roots, God's literally told me sometimes to not worry about people I'm struggling with and some hard times that I've been through because I can just outlast them. I don't know if that's great advice for everybody, but this is what the Lord has told me. Keep at it. You know, we want to f- fight these fights. We want to pick these battles. We, we want to we do these things. When we see the way that God works, often it's time. That's such an unsatisfying answer to so many of us so much of the time. Persist in doing good. Be faithful. And the Lord told me, you'll outlast them. You'll outlast the situation. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know what I found? It happened. And I'm kind of disappointed because I would love, <laughs> I would love to say, no, we can do that. No, th- this is what my story has been. And you know what? I'd, I'd like to say it was a year. I'll tell you, I think the timeline is seven years how long it took me to outlast one of these situations that the Lord called me to. Seven years. And it, 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 it's a, a burr in your side. It's, it's a thorn in your side. It, it, it's this, this nagging thing of unhealth that you just know is not dealt with yet and it's unsettling and it's problematic. And seven years the Lord had me just saying outlast. And it wasn't easy and I don't recommend it. <laughs> but this is what we're called to as disciples. The oppressor has shallow roots. I've lived long enough now to notice a pattern. The Bible told me about it, but I wasn't wise enough to get it from there when I first read it. The wicked get their due. Lies get revealed. Greed is self-consuming. Power corrupts. Not quickly. (laughs) Not all the time that we would like to. And like we're saying with Putin, there's always a chance for repentance for these people. That's the Lord's love. That's his way. You know, we're, we ooh and awe over shooting stars, these glimpses of beauty that just shoot through the sky. But they can't sustain life. The sun, constant, faithful, daily up, daily down, that gives life to this world. In this psalm, it says this, may they be like grass on the roof, which withers before it can grow. A reaper cannot fill his hands with it, nor one who gathers fill his arms. That's in opposition to the people of God. Where we have deep roots, may they just wither away. May, may, the, may the faithlessness, may the, the oppressed, may the wicked, may their greed, may their corrupting power, may all that wither under this as we persist through this. And the second one is disconnected equipment. 
This is in uh, that cornerstone verse four where God intervenes. But the Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. You can picture this. There's these evil taskmasters cracking their whip, having their ox literally plow, it says, rows up and down their backs, like taking from their flesh what they want. It's, it's the taskmaster telling you, produce more. Come on, you, you, you've got more that you can give. Give more, trying to get blood from a stone. And what we see here, this picture, which is almost comical, is that God comes down and breaks that equipment off. That they're still cracking their whip, and yet it's unaffecting the people of God. That you've been delivered from this. The world commands you work harder to leave your mark. Compete Look at your brother and sister, it's competition and, and be stronger than them, be better than them, produce more, consume more. And God breaks the cords of the wicked. God rips that harness of the evil plowman to shreds. That you are freed from that corrupted picture on what it means to live in this world. That we are free from this picture on how it means to survive day to day with your nose to the grindstone just trying to make something happen. The Lord sets us free from that. So finally, I want to say that we need to keep our eye on the prize, and this is because purposes last. When we're talking about perseverance, we're not talking about stubbornness. We're not talking about the, the grind. You know, the, these are often, when we think about perseverance, again, we just use these kind of things, and we think stubbornness, maybe that's a virtue. Maybe if I'm stubborn enough, it can be a godly thing. <laughs> so... My, my, my day job, my, my nine to five is, is in IT security. And so I've, I've got this little slide up here. This is one that we actually use at work. This is the time it takes a hacker to brute force your password in 2022, all right? Um, th this is, it's really interesting for people like me who have actually cracked passwords as a part of my job before. And here's the thing, password cracking isn't always worth it, all right? If you have a long, hard enough account, if you look here, it, it says how many years this gets to. It's 438 trillion years in the highest quadrant. That's not worth it, right? If you've got a really complex password, if we, we won't be able to crack it with the compute power that we have today. Now, what's interesting is the next slide here, which is probably too small to read. This is showing you over time what it used to be like. So that password, security one, you, use, you can now pass it. You can now break it immediately. It doesn't even register as a compute cycle. It's like we just know it. We got rainbow tables. Your password's mine, I've got it. <laughs> but you can see over time how this has changed. Stubbornness is not always worth it. All right, if, if you're just thinking nose to the grindstone, I'm just gonna brute force my way through this thing, it doesn't work in tech, it doesn't work in your spirit, it doesn't work with emotions, all right? Stubbornness, you might think I, I just need to persist in this hard situation. I, I, just, I just have to, to get through this thing. I'm just gonna be who I am. And, and we're, we're stubborn in these things instead of being persevering in the way that the Lord would call us to. Stubbornness can eat you up and eat up those people around you. There is a difference between stubbornness and perseverance. Stubbornness gets us in trouble. It's frustrating to those around us. The Bible calls it stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and not in a good way. It's not <laughs> endearing when the Lord says, you hard-hearted, stiff-necked generation. And let's talk about the grind. We know the grind, the rat race, whatever you want to call it. This idea that, that 20, 30, 40 more years and I'll be able to retire. 
right? This idea that, that I, I just have to get through this. I'm just going to grind my way through this. And, and, and day in, day out, it becomes this blur. The grind gives us burnout. This is not perseverance. Amen. The grind gives us burnout. Years ago, I was playing a video game. Truly, you know, this, is, this is how mature I am. Uh, I think there was like 100 levels that you could get as the characters that you were in here. And I remember I was like really proud when I got to 99. I was like almost done with this game, like feeling like I, I, can, I can put a, a check mark and just move on with my life. And then you see like the level requirements if you've ever played these video games where it's exponentially higher. And I, I did the math. It's like it would be another year of my life in this stupid video game <laughs> if I were to actually complete it. And, and I, I said, oh, that's it, I'm, I'm done. Like, no perseverance is given to this video game because the, the grind is, is work. The, the, the grind is that taskmaster commanding you to produce more, to, to waste more, to, to sink more of your time into these things. And it's just this idea that just, just sink more time. That's our life. That's what we've been given. The grind doesn't have rhythm. It doesn't have Sabbath. The grind lacks humanity, beauty, and justice, and mercy, and kindness. And many of us know the grind more than we know perseverance. There's a, a long-standing notion or, or joke out there that the, the cheat, the cheat for the game of life, is to live as selfishly for as long as possible, and then you have a deathbed conversion because God's gracious and he'll forgive you, right? I mean, I, I, I'll be, I understand the joke. I under, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, you know, say it's not funny. I, I understand why people say this, but they're just missing such a fundamental part of what the life of a disciple is. Perseverance might not be sexy, but it's healthy. Temptations are called temptations because they are tempting, and I get that. But forgetting even the heavenly promises that, that we have for one day, the jewels and the crown passages, which we'll get to in a moment, I do believe that it's a better lived life for here and now when we are disciples of Christ. Oh, did I just? No, I'm good. I've seen enough to be able to tell you knowingly that the payment that sin takes on you, on your emotions, on your relationships, even your health and your circumstances, is real and crushing. It, it, it is. It, it bears itself out over time. The same way that the Christian life bears fruit over time, sin bears fruit over time. And we lie to ourselves and we think that we can get by with it. We, we think that it's going to be sufficient. We think that, that it, it affects other people, but I can keep this in check. It's just a little pornography. It's just a little lie. It's just a little greed. And we play with our sins thinking it's okay. And it bears fruit over time. It builds up like tartar on your teeth. I've got a dentist appointment on Monday. <laughs> it builds up like a burden that you've been carrying around with you all the time that maybe you don't even realize the weight of any longer. <laughs> it's not a, a once and done act that disappears like a puff into smoke. Sin takes a toll. This is why we've had this progression of turning. It started off turning from sin, right? And then it was turning from yourself, and now we're turning towards the road ahead. There's, there's an intentionality in this whole series that we're walking through. If you're still living for yourself, persistence and perseverance is a hard sell. <laughs> if, if, my, if I'm my own taskmaster, if I've not yet given up self, if I'm trying to do this, if you've not been tracking with this in your own life, 
it's really hard to get to step three when you haven't taken step two yet. And that's okay. Know where you are and, and allow yourself to see where the Lord will lead you from where you're at. The good life, the promise of the disciple, it's not for sale, and that's kind of the point. It's not that these things that we want to do are just more noble. That's not the point. But it's actually how we get to where we're going. So I'm not trying to convince you that, that oh, it's just going to, your life will be roses. Everything will, will be sufficient. Everything, you know, you'll have all the joy and all the things that you want. That's not the promise of the persistent perseverance life. It's how we get where we're going. I think a lot of Christians, a lot of people, we don't know where we're going. We, we have the day in, day out, and we don't actually have a direction. We don't have a goal. We don't have good things before us. And the Christian life gets reduced to salvation for our sins, and then you think, well, now what? Now I'm a Christian. I guess I'm saved and delivered. I guess I'm done. And we want to put a check in that. That's what began this journey that we can now persevere from. That's the first step. Because we are saved, then we can turn from self. Then we can keep going in a direction towards God. There's that financial adage for those of you who are into finances, right? It's not how much you have in the market, it's time in the market. Have you heard that one before? That's borne out as largely true over time. Just don't make those stupid big bets with your money all the time. Note to the, from the board, this is not financial advice. But as Jessica said about Lord of the Rings, there's just so much walking. There's so much walking. That's the Christian walk. We walk this over time. There's no substitute for time with the Lord. There's no substitute for time with the Lord. We praise and idolize youth in this culture. We, we, we do. We look back and we think they're the hip ones. They're the cool ones. They're, they're the ones who, you know, that, that everybody, all the ads, all the movies, that's about all this youth. We look back thinking, oh, to be young again, right? We look backwards, turning away from the road that we've already walked. When we're looking backwards, we will trip on this road in front of us. We need to appreciate those who have walked this before us. This is a shout out to the in-step prayer nights that we have tomorrow, where we're focusing on the beauty of Jesus. Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. We have a goal. We, we have a destination. We have a prize that we can recognize and that we can understand. That's where life is going to be. That, that's the fullness of what we're hoping for. If you don't hope to be Christ-like, you probably don't belong in this room right now. Right? If, if you don't see the beauty and the power of who he is to, to be different and separate from this world, I honestly don't know what to tell you. I, I'm not just trying to say, oh, you'll, you'll be okay after you die. That, that's not the point of Christianity. That's not the point of what we're trying to do. There is a goal, and it, this world needs to be shaped by it. World events should be shaped by the gospel of God. Or what are we even doing here? Amen. Hebrews 10.36, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. That's a here and now promise. It's meant to become realized here and now that your roots go deeper, that you can persist, that you can have life. You can get through this thing. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Again, that's in this lifetime. 
This is not after you die promises. This is in this lifetime promises. James 1.12, blesses the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That's your future promise. The gospel is the treasure in the field. It's the pearl of great price. We're not just trying to walk another day to walk another day. We don't have a church trying to keep the lights on and to keep a 501c3 on the book. We, we're, we're doing something. It, it matters. The gospel is the hope for the world. It, it's a different way than, than the greed and corruption that, that is ruining, ruining the lives of so many people around the world. The gospel matters. When we're trying out this gospel thing just to try to avoid the bad stuff, we're missing out on why. If you're a slightly younger human, you might know from quoting Dory, just keep swimming, right? Or if you're like, like me and you like the Rocky Balboa, it's not about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's a mind-numbing philosophy the world is promising us. Just keep swimming? Why? But if we know that Christ is before us, if we know that there's a, a, a reaping harvest for what the Lord has planted in our lives, if we know that there's kindness and joy, if we know that there's love and, and community before us, if we know that there's a prize that's worth it, if we can see Jesus as he is and recognize the goodness and that we're going someplace with it, yes, keep swimming. <laughs> because there's a prize before us, because we're drawn towards something of purpose. Perseverance is not perseverance for its own sake. It's not a virtue in that sense that it's just, just be a persevering person. We persevere towards who the Lord has put before us, towards the prize he's revealed to us. It's why I couldn't finish that video game. It wasn't worth it. <laughs> the prize, if I, if I could tell you now, yeah, I got to level 100, you wouldn't respect me anymore. <laughs> I wouldn't respect anymore, but I would have sunk so much more of my life and time and energy into something fruitless and pointless. Maybe you can relate. And this is why I'm telling you, pineapples aren't worth it. <laughs> 275 for a pound of whole pineapple or two to three years sending it in my backyard. <laughs> All right, so my conclusion on this as I wrap this up. You can come up, Jessica. God willing, church, the road ahead of you is long. Can you agree with me on that? God willing, the road ahead of you is long. And knowing God, the prize is worth it. Let's persevere. The world needs a church that perseveres. The world needs what we have.